with Jay. Jay, tell me about yourself, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my name is Jay. I'm 20 years old, and I, I have a mission to retire by 30 and buy a 757 and customize it. Nice. Okay. Tell me about why, why you have that goal. Uh, why do I have that goal? That's a good question. Um, primarily because I realized that in life, if you don't have something that motivates you to get out of bed every day and that really pushes you to the extents of your limits, you're not going to really see the fruits of, of what you're meant to see in your life. So, uh, I kind of saw from big mentors and people who've been very successful. They really, uh, set high goals. And once, once you achieve them, I, I know there's a sense of accomplishment. And even beyond that, I realize that it's about the journey of fulfilling this goal that you'll learn the most too. So that's kind of why I set such a goal like that. I love it. I love it. How old do you know? Uh, I'm 20 years old right now, so I have 10 years to do it. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, well, tell me about, you know, how this pandemic has affected you. Has it? Has it had a negative effect? Yeah, you're, you're a really positive guy, by the way. Um, Thanks. <laughs> when I got on the phone with you, you were like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, there's a lot of opportunity that's, that's, that's happening right now. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how, how it's affected you and how you plan on, you know, uh, addressing uh, the pandemic and, and the current business situation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So um, straight off the bat, like I'm still in school, uh, I'm doing engineering at Waterloo. And it was just like three weeks ago, me and my friends were like studying for an assignment. And then we're like, oh my gosh, man, we have an exam tomorrow or whatever. And we get this email saying, hey, like all students are to evacuate the premises and uh, return back to where you live. Like don't come back to school type thing. And like everything's going to be made online. So we were in the middle of school. I was completely in the mindset of like studying for exams, submitting assignments and all these things. And uh, I hear about this. And so I thought two things. First, I thought, wow, for one, this is not really a joke. It's not really uh, something that people are just like saying like, oh, you like it'll pass or like you just need to wash your hands. It'll be fine. It's something a little bit more serious than that. And something I realized, hey, like now the whole world is going to start shutting down little by little. So uh, make sure that you know what's up and you can kind of see what's going to happen. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's where I was exactly. That's how it affected me. And now I've kind of taken a different route with how I was going to see the next four months. Originally, I was supposed to have an internship with a company and uh, I ended up reaching back to them and saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to come down to Silicon Valley. I'm going to look for remote jobs. So I've been working on uh, landing myself remote jobs. I just secured myself two remote jobs last week. And now I'm helping my friends do the same thing so that they can help. Uh, they can get paid during this, these four months. And a lot of people are losing their jobs, but it doesn't mean that the opportunity is not there. So that's kind of what I've been doing and how this entire situation has uh, shifted itself upon me. Nice. Okay. Uh, and, and so the remote, and, and so the remote what is that in? What is that in? Uh, so specifically for me, um, I see myself as a tech entrepreneur. And the, the ways that I can provide the most value to people is by building tech products and specifically software products. So uh, I've got a remote job as a growth hacker at an early stage startup. And that was the first one. And the second one is like a product management uh, remote job where I am helping to improve the product experience for the company. Nice. Okay. So how, how are you looking for opportunity right now? Um, a lot of people are freaking out. A lot of people are like, wow, the, 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 um, the economy is imploding pretty much. And, uh, and how are you finding that and how you, how have you created that mindset? 
for yourself? That's a good question. Yeah, that's a great question. Because especially given these times, people who are very used to having a defined system and structure are now beginning to panic, right? Yeah. Uh, the number one thing I can say about that is, A, like build your own opportunity and don't wait on anybody. Like one for one for one thing for myself, I don't like to wait on anybody, whether it's like, okay, I'll drop you off here or I'll pick you up here or, or like we can uh, arrange for something where the, the case where I have to depend on someone else it's just for the fact that a like I have a better comfort factor when I know that I'm the one in charge and I can be able to dictate that situation so that I, if something falls through, it's on me and I don't need to like, be responsible for someone else's uh, shortcoming. So in the same way, if I apply for Google and uh, I, I, I'm super happy and like they give me an acceptance letter and then three weeks later, they're like, you know what, like uh, this specific product, this specific program is canceled. Screw you. Uh, we're going to fire you. And uh, we don't really care about low level people like you. Like we're just going to keep making our money and increasing our profits. So straight off the bat right there, like that's the entire shift of mindset that needs to happen. So number one, I would tell people is make your own opportunity. Whatever it is you do in your life, whether you do consulting, whether you do software development, whether you do public speaking, whatever that is, you can find ways to make your own opportunity. If you want me to go into more specifics, would that be of help? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I, uh, I actually had to let a few people go in the last, uh, last week. And I said, well, one of the, one of the guys was a uh, uh, salaried kind of a sales rep. And I told right. him like, before he left, I think he's changing his, his tune though. Um, but right. before he left, I was like, you know, you need to have more power. You need to be on commission only. And, right. and if you, if you nurture that skill set, then no one's really going to fire you and you make, you create your own, you know, income. Right. You know? Exactly. exactly. And uh, is that kind of how you feel? Uh, that's a good way to put it. And I would definitely say like, even if you have a job today, working under someone or like getting a wage, uh, figure out how can I convert these skills to be economy proof, to be virus proof, to be like disaster proof. So that if you are a sales rep, for example, what are you learning on your job right now that you can take in and you can help to build your own practice or you can take in to help you, for example, expand your services, whether it's within your company or whether it's like providing more opportunity to your company. How do you become that person at your company where you're indispensable, where your boss needs to come to you every single day and be like, Hey man, like, uh, you're my go-to guy. Like I can't let you go. You're getting all these offers from everybody else, but I want you to stay with me and help me grow. Or I want you to me to build this thing together. You got to become that person wherever you are. Exactly. Um, what, what kind of engineering are you studying at Waterloo? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'm studying management sciences and engineering. It's a specific program they only have here. And I think it was at uh, Stanford. These are the only two places you can get uh, this specific type of engineering where it's kind of like you learn to think like a management consultant. Uh, if you're familiar with Peter Drucker, uh, yeah. he's someone who has similar, yeah, he had a similar methodologies and the things that we learn to apply management principles to different uh, industries, whether that's IT, healthcare, finance, identifying inefficiencies and figuring out how you can improve a certain process or system. I love it. I love it. And, uh, and what are the jobs that you kind of find opportunities in, uh, currently in this economic situation? Uh, are you pertaining to myself specifically or people who come through my program or university students? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, 
people that come to your program, but what, what do you see just like, uh, you know, uh, you know, through your eyes, what opportunities are out there? Okay, for sure. So through my eyes right now, I could say that software development, startup companies, anyone in tech, in the technological space, whether that's innovation of, I don't know, like software, cars, anything to do with tech is still booming. And the number one reason is because the future of work is remote. So anywhere where you can remotely say, you know what, like we can run our entire company from home. That is where the opportunity is, right? And like, we don't need to go into a factory every day to build auto parts. We need to go into our homes, into our rooms, open up our computer and start coding. And these are the types of situations where the company can hire you from wherever you are in the world. That Wherever you can think that a company can outsource your work or can get it done virtually without having to get it done in person, that is where the opportunity currently is. And I'm telling you that, there is even more opportunity for situations like this right now because these companies have to deal with um, the loads that are increasing, whether that's on the Wi-Fi system, whether it's on like Zoom, for example, that's been crashing so many times because of the amount of people that are on it. For example, Zoom might be hiring more people to help them with uh, remote their servers and maintaining their servers and building their structures. So uh, anywhere where um, something to do with tech, where it's not physical in-person interaction, whether it's building the product, whether it's improving the product experience or even selling the experience, all ends of the life cycle, I definitely would, would be a opportunity to find work. So you think people should seek out a job like that, that were, that were, that don't require you to come into an office consistently every day. And you think that's recession proof regardless? hundred percent because uh, for example, like my mom the other day, she, she was uh, in the middle of switching contract roles between a bank and between a consultancy. And I was telling her like, if you, if you had gone into another bank around these times, you would be stuck for the next one or two years. Because I remember seeing how difficult it was to maneuver between um, job exchanges and job contracts, especially when you work for a bank and stuff like that. So like, and that was again, an in-person job, but now her consultancy is completely said, you know what, you can do all your work remotely. And I thought about it. I'm like, the only reason why they're allowing her to even move forward with the onboarding process is because they're a remote company, right? So yeah. 100%, I would recommend uh, looking into people who are doing work remotely, companies that are, like, engage in remote work, because there is definite opportunity there. And for one thing, I'm telling you, it's about the mindset, because right off the bat, if you're unemployed right now and you're thinking, man, like, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to find a job. I can't go into an interview. That's not the be all end all. I'm telling you straight off the bat. You can get on a hundred calls of people every day. You can network with people every day, learn about their story. And from there you can build yourself 10 times more opportunity than you would have if you were, uh, if you hadn't been doing it in person. I love it, man. I love it. I love your positive mindset. Um, a lot of people are scared right now and, uh, you know, it's it's uh, definitely amazing to see a 20-year-old be so positive and, you know, kind of have a, a great outlook on life. That's, I love it. Um, and, uh, like, when did you figure, when did you find out about the coronavirus? Was it, did it just, was it just the news or did, did you have a family member tell you about it? When did you find out about the, when, when did you find out about the lockdown, essentially? That's a good question, yeah. So I found out about the virus in December, uh, originally like end of December, they were saying like, there's like a small spread in like China. So I was thinking like, okay, that's probably like SARS or some swine flu or something like that. Like those things happen all the time. So yeah. I, I found out about it like 
early back then. And I had people like who were telling me here and there, I used to check the news, but I for one don't like to follow the news too much, uh, kind of because of the negative. way that it's negative. Yeah. yeah. Negativity, even beyond that, like who's really running the news and like, we can get into that in a whole other podcast episode if you think about it. But like, um, for example, like, the only time I heard and like I realized like the magnitude of the issue was kind of when like about three weeks ago when they said Trudeau or the Canadian prime minister's wife got contracted with the virus. And that's when I'm like, whoa, this sounds like something that's a little bit different. It sounds like for me, it sounded like in the sense of biological warfare, like targeting high profile people and and people who are in higher ranks of government and like. Yeah, you know, like that's what the first thing that came to mind. And I realized, you know what, like if Trudeau's wife has it, that means no one is really safe, right? So that's when I heard about it. And that's when I, it kind of clicked in for me to say, hey, like this is not something to joke around with. Yeah, totally, 100%. And, uh, and were you, like what, were, what was your feeling at that moment? Did, were you scared? Were you kind of worried? Were, like what, what, what did you feel at that moment? Yeah. So like, uh, I, I began to feel like, I wouldn't say scared or worried. I would say concerned yeah. uh, primarily because like thinking about, okay, this is something that spreads through like human interaction. Right. So that means that I need to cut out a lot of human interaction. And that's something that I do a lot in my day-to-day -day life. Like for me right now to be in self-isolation, it feels kind of crazy. Cause like I'm so used to driving around places, meeting people every day and like being in different environments. That's how I love to be. I love to be outside. And like now that like I'm constrained to a certain isolation, I realize that it's very concerning. And I also realize that think about those little kids who um who go to school and like who meet their friends every day. Like they're gonna be playing video games all day. They're gonna be watching Netflix all day, and we don't know how long this is going out for. And think about their parents. So like this is like a very concerning in the sense of like it affects people very differently, and it's like affecting their quality of life as well. Totally, hundred percent. Um, and then, uh, okay. So then, so then walk me through that day. So then you found out you were like a little concerned and, uh, did you, did you call family members? Did any, did, how did it affect most of your family members? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. So I reached out to my parents, my mom and dad. I'm like, Hey, like I'm coming back early from school. Like, uh, this is what happened. And like, Oh wow. Really? Right. Like they didn't expect it to be something of yeah. that large magnitude where like they're going to convert your um, in-person exams to online assessments. So like that was like a pretty big deal. No one's really heard about that before. So then they were like, oh wow, okay. So like uh, they told me to be careful as I packed all my stuff. And like even packing my stuff, they're like, hurry up. Like I have like my entire room set up down in Waterloo, which is like two hours away. So I can only come back and forth from home like once a month. So like after I uh, packed everything up, they were like telling me, be careful, don't touch anything. Like make yeah. sure you pack the box nicely. So all these things are going through my head. And, uh, and they're telling me to come as, to come home as quick as possible. But at the same time, like I'm trying to figure out like in, in this kind of a state of panic, right. For other people who are not in this situation, looking out inwards. So it was about like uh, remaining calm and understanding what was at hand. Yeah. Most of my family didn't take it seriously, actually. You right. know, most of my family was like, Oh yeah, I've seen worse in my lifetime or whatever the case may be like, Oh, the pe people from the flu die more often in America than any other uh, sickness or whatever the case may be. And, um, or, you know, the people of the, that have the flu, like there's like 50,000 deaths, some things like that. And, uh, most people didn't take it seriously. Did you, did you experience that like with friends or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. Like me and my friends were talking like, Oh, like this is probably like, uh, we thought it was like some kind of like, 
uh, media play in the sense like they were making something sound more hectic than it actually is. And no one really took it serious until like we heard about Italy. We heard about some NBA players were getting um, the virus. And we thought, wow, like these guys have like the strongest immune systems. These are like super athletes who train every single day and eat like super good food. Then it could hit the masses very differently. So yeah. that's when it kind of hit for us. Yeah. Do you think, do you think it mainly negatively affects people that are high risk or are older? Or do you think there's something more to this than, than just that? I mean, that's that's really bad in itself but do you think that there's more there's more of an effect on younger people than we realize that's a good question i don't know i saw this guy mark metry post like an infographic that like i don't know if you've seen that but it kind of said like 20 to 25 year olds are actually the highest contracted uh, out of the whole world so far have you seen that infographic Oh, no i haven't no yeah well like i don't know if that was like a spin on like how people are all saying like like stay home and like make sure that you stay home because people were saying like even if you're young you could still have it but you're going to pass it on to someone who's older who's going to be more vulnerable but they were saying now that younger people between the ages of 20 and 25 actually have been contracting it the most and getting sick the most so uh to go back to your question i think that it's really about like staying safe and like regardless of your age man like it actually seems like it's something that you can have with you for two weeks. And then once you have it, it's kind of too late. So it's, it doesn't seem like something that uh, it passes like the swine flu or H1N1 or something like that. Like, I feel like personally for me, this seems like something that's been engineered just in the, in the way that it, it, you're not able to detect it early on and in the way that it's being transferred from human to human interaction and in the way that like it's been flowing around different places of the world. And definitely like as someone who's building things all the time, and who's, who's seeing the end results of products, whether that's tech products, business products, whatever. This, to me, seems something that's very engineered. By the Chinese government, you're saying? That's a good question. I don't know if it's uh, the Chinese government or the U.S. government or any government in that sense. Maybe it could be a certain organization, a certain group of people. I could see the play like from a strategy perspective, for example, for China to go in and do this to say, Hey, like we're going to, we're going to hit all these big countries. We're going to hit all their economies. And once they're vulnerable, we can a attack physically, nuclearly, or C even like, uh, like biologically, like from the inside, we can get them from the inside. I don't know if you saw that video, but, uh, the U S like it was going around on WhatsApp. It was like, this entire commuter train of armored trucks that was just going down like a, a pathway in Chicago. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, no. Okay. I'll send you that video after this chat, but uh, it was crazy, man. Like it was legit. Um, if you're familiar with like a regular commuter train, it was filled with armored trucks. So maybe they're getting ready for something. And like it was, when I saw that, I'm like, wow, like we only see the one part of the media. We don't see the other side of it. There, no one's telling you that, People are bringing in like the military and people are bringing in extra forces to defend in the case of an attack and all these things. Like, I'm not saying these things uh, to start a controversy, but I'm saying these things because I've seen enough things now that have given me enough insight into the sense that what you see out on your CNN, on your Fox News is only one quarter, one sixth of the real story. Hmm. What, do you, what, what else do you think we're missing? I know, um, I know, I know that I know that troops have been deployed in uh, certain cities, right? Uh, but I know that I I heard about that, um, just to prevent I think people from coming through the border or anything like that. 
um, and just to protect the the state. But why do you why do you think that's the case in the first place? And what else do you have you noticed? Right, that's a good question. So, primarily, number one, in times like this, when a country has so many people who are getting sick, and like for example, governors who are catching the virus and, and uh, getting infected, that means that like the people who are making the decisions for your state are now no longer able to do it. So, if you think about it, the country's at its most vulnerable position right now, and this is the perfect time for another country to take advantage of that. Whether that's like a physical, like I mentioned, a physical attack in person, or whether that means like we don't know what it is, like what their operatives are, what their agenda is. We don't know. Only me and you talking as two people who live in a country and like we go to Walmart, we go to Best Buy, we go to, I don't know, like we go buy things like we're regular people, but we're not the people making decisions at the table who decide whether what the agenda is for the country, where they're going to invest their, their money into wars, where they're going to invest their money into healthcare. Like we don't really make those decisions at the table which is what concerns me even more. So whatever they're telling you on the news is kind of the byproduct or the after results of people's decisions and people's thinking. So I know that for a fact on 100% and that's just kind of the way that things are. But I guess like the best thing I can tell you and for the listeners that are out there is to try and educate yourself. And if just because you see something floating around in the media, A, doesn't necessarily mean it's true or B, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the entire picture. Uh, you should take a look at what's going on in Syria, Turkey. I think it was Iran right now. Like none of those places are being broadcasted at all. None of these places are being like uh, brought brought forth into the media or people's eyes. All they're seeing right now is, oh, like Walmart's being closed. People are lining up for toilet paper. Like all these like things that like they're very easily orchestrating for you guys out there to to forget about and to like to really distract you in a sense. So from a high level, those are the things I'm telling people to look into. I'll definitely share you that video. You can probably get more light into what I'm saying uh, after this call. Definitely. Um, I think this is a lot worse than people are admitting um, either. Well, I think that the media, I think overblows things as well. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think that uh, I don't think, I don't see enough people taking this seriously enough, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, the, the virus is, um, it spreads very quickly. It's not something that spreads, you know, slowly. Um, it, 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 we don't know. We, we don't know a lot about the virus. We we have no cures about the, you know regarding the virus. We have no, we have nothing to treat it. Um, and so be, because of the the fact that we we know so little about it, we should definitely take it more seriously. Because what we're hearing is something that could be wrong and you know, we might have to adjust based on new information in the future. And if we act in certain ways that put us at risk, we're going to regret the fact that we, we did that when it could be deadlier than we think. And also the fact that like, I, I know there's two strains of the virus right now, but it can keep, uh, it, it can keep um, mutating and that mutation can turn into more mutations and then more mutations. And so this, this virus could get deadlier than we think. And because of that, I think people should take it a lot more seriously. Like, 100% Frank. Yeah, you're totally right. Like, I just wanted to let the viewers out there know too, like uh, here in Canada, uh, I don't know, are you shooting out of the US? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so here in Canada, like we, we're super crazy about our Tim Hortons coffee. So people go to Tim Hortons every day for drive-through and like, uh, it's like, it's like this coffee chain, kind of like Dunkin' Donuts and like people go super crazy about it. 
And um, like apparently like people are saying now, if, if the certain, if a store worker has come in contact with the virus, they can now trans it's now transmittable via contact with like a paper cup. So for example, if they have the virus and then they don't know they have it and they are just continuing like serving food, touching things. And the moment it touches a coffee cup and a moment it touches the lid and you as a consumer drink that and put that into your mouth, you are not contracting the virus. So like, you don't even know, like these are things that we're doing every single day and things that are like first nature to people like us. And like, we don't really think into like, okay, is this a way that we're going to be spreading the germs and the virus to our family and friends? And like, you should take a second thought about what you're doing in your day to day. Are you coming in contact with people, with products, with plastic, with things that might've come in contact with the virus, whether that's like in person or actual physical things, maybe even your Amazon package. I know it sounds crazy, but it's now like it's now the virus is now like getting stuck onto things and like physical objects rather than just before it was human face-to-face -face interaction. So it's something that's not to joke around with. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, I really think like the, what, my perspective changed when I started listening to the Joe Rogan podcast where he mentioned that his friend that was completely healthy, that was, you know, never had ailments, that uh that really hurt his condition um uh, he that guy got cr uh, coronavirus and he got hospitalized um and uh so when you hear things like that you think wow this coronavirus is definitely a lot more severe than we think i think mm -hmm. and, and it's just there's just so many unknown things about it that we have to you know be concerned about uh you know th there, there could again there could be mutations that turn that make the virus more severe uh give right. people worse symptoms and and uh and if that spreads then that's really bad i mean i think we're at like 50 how many cases are we at now let me check 35,000 55,000 hold on how many cases are there in, in canada right now do you know oh uh, yeah yeah so here it was like something 400 500 contracted cases uh something like four to five deaths and like eight recoveries or something like that. But those are the numbers like two or three days ago. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just talking with people that aren't really taking it seriously. And I was like, okay, well, think about it this way. If you started from the number two and you multiplied that number by two, if you multiply two by two and then multiply that number by two, 16 uh, six, or 30 days in a row, what number would you be at? I ask most, right. most, most people that and yeah. we don't take it seriously. And right. the, the number, like I, I've gotten like a thousand, I've gotten like, uh, you know, 10,000, 15,000. And when I tell them the number is like 2 billion, they're like, yeah, you know, if, if all you did was multiply by two every day for 30 days, start at two multiply by two every day for 30 days, um, you'd be at 2 billion. That's which is crazy insane. and like that, that's crazy man like they say the compounding effect is one thing but the doubling effect is worse yeah yeah exactly exactly um so you know we need to take it seriously and uh i think i'm seeing like people starting to take it more seriously like my father-in-law if i feel like it's mostly like older the older generation that's like really tough you know that's always been really right. tough, you know and they've got they've gone through a lot I think they mm -hmm. normally don't take it as seriously as they should. Like mm -hmm. my, my, uh, my wife's husband, my father-in-law, 
was like, oh, this is this is ridiculous. Like, there's been a lot worse things in in uh, right. in America, and uh, and he's like, you know, people die from the flu and uh, more often than anything else. And he was just mentioning all those things, and and I'm just like, yeah, but it's like spreading so quickly, and the the rate of death of the coronavirus versus the flu is much higher. So like the 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 flu is the the rate of death is like. I think one tenth of a percent or something or something like that. And right. the rate of death for coronavirus right now in the U S I think is at like 1%. So it's like 10 times more. Right. Um, there's the mortality, mortality rates 10 times higher than, than that of the flu. So I think people need to take that in consideration. Um, how do you plan on freaking taking advantage of all the opportunities that you mentioned? Like what, what are you like, what, what advice do you, can you impart on people that are listening to How are you planning on really, really expanding on this? So like, I think we should make it like this. Like, do you want me to tell you how I can help put people in that mindset of seeking opportunity or is yeah. it just for, pertaining to me? I think that would be more helpful, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like being able to seek opportunity, I think is like a really important skill set you should develop. Like for the listeners that are listening right now or soon, um, because regardless where you go in your life, you should be able to think like, wow, like why didn't someone else think about this a or B like, um, what can I do with the information I know to, to make something else happen? So in this specific situation, how can you seek opportunity? So I'll put you guys in a kind of mind frame. And then from there, like your thoughts and your actions will kind of flow. And like, you'll kind of get into a certain state where you're like, wow, like that's kind of interesting. I never thought about it like that. So Thinking about it like this, like this is the only time in the entire world or in the entire history of the world where, or maybe I guess I can say from my existence where people have stopped going to school, people have stopped going to work, people are dying left, right, and center, and we're all being trapped within the vicinities of our home. So that's the current situation. The stock market's going down. People are unable to pay their mortgages. People are unable to pay their rents. Um, Stores are running out of key essential supplies like toilet paper, paper towels, baby wipes, essentials, and even non-essentials too, because people think this is the next apocalypse. So if you guys remember maybe the dot-com boom when people said the world was going to end in 2000 and people were saying like, once the clocks hit this and then uh, everything's not going to work anymore. I wasn't like five years old and I was one. But all I remember from that was that people were unnecessarily panicking and thinking the world was going to end. So first of all, the world's not going to end. That's 100% guaranteed. So I would recommend uh, you take a look and you go back to your drawing board and figure out, okay, am I looking for a job or am I looking to grow my business or am I looking to just get new ideas? So branch out into one of those three things. Do you think everybody, uh, for example, everyone should become an entrepreneur during this time? No, I'm not prescribing anything. I'm telling you that if, if you guys are panicking out there, this is a good mind frame to have to kind of... Uh, to kind of do it for you because I know straight off the bat that not everyone is wired to be an entrepreneur and not everyone want, would want to be an entrepreneur. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah. I don't know about the wired part. I know, I know a lot of people say that they have that philosophy that certain people are wired. I think entrepreneurship can be learned to know okay. to what level that people can, uh, to achieve. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, I'm not okay. sure about that. Like, I, I don't know if any, everyone can scale to a level of like Bill Gates or things like that. Um, but okay. 
but I do think that people can have an entre entrepreneurial tendencies and they can execute on that and create uh, opportunities for themselves. That's my philosophy. It might, it might be different than like Gary Vaynerchuk, for example. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you listen to Gary. <laughs> um, yeah, I've heard him a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that most people can aspire to be entrepreneurs, become entrepreneurs, and become successful in um, kind of in the way that they think that success, right. uh, you know, manifests. Um, but I think that uh, everyone can learn, and I think that not having the ability to be an entrepreneur really doesn't help a lot of people. It, it actually gets people stuck in a position where they don't have choice. And I think if they, if we tell them, Hey, you can be an entrepreneur, I'm not sure what level you can, you can reach. But I think that if you become an entrepreneur, you have the ultimate choice to, to make your own income and make your own decisions. And I think that empowers people. Um, but I don't think we can tell, we, we should tell everybody that they can become the next Mark Zuckerberg. That's what I think. That's interesting. That's interesting perspective, Frank. Yeah. It's very interesting. Cause like, um, uh, because that's like the number one conversation I have with people around me all the time. But I still, I'm still spectacle on the fact of like, does everyone want to be an entrepreneur? Like, sure. The, like that's a good way to say it in the sense like, Hey, these are the best times to say, for example, launch that idea, try out that new service or like provide value to people as some, as an entrepreneur, not just as an employee, but at the same time, like I, how do you know if someone is looking for that in their life? Like if you're to prescribe it to somebody um, like what, what are the qualifiers for someone to, to say that? And for a second perspective, it's like, it's like, what's the difference between an entrepreneurial mindset and an employee mindset? You can be an entrepreneur within a company. And it's, I guess you could even say it's like, it's, it's really a question of, do you want to make money that is not from your job during these times? Would that, would that be fair? Uh, yeah. But I also feel like a lot of people are, are really, because they don't really like their job in general. So like, I think mm. I, would, I would say that like seven out of 10 people <clears throat> dislike their job before this whole coronavirus thing. And they're kind of enjoying their life more so because they're not in their job right now. And, and, but at the same time, a lot of people are getting fired and they can't support themselves. So there, there's right. two ends of the equation on that. But what I think is um, – not everyone does want to become an entrepreneur, but people can. Right. And I think it's just right. based on, do they have the stomach for it? Like, because it's not, it's not, uh, it's not easy. And, uh, 100%. definitely, yeah, there's a lot of like, th there's a lot of things that you have to overcome in order to become successful. And some of those things, not many people want to go through. Um, you know, for me personally, like I, I kind of like the journey of, uh, failing and then succeeding and then failing again. Um, not everybody likes that. Um, so right, right. from the outside looking in, most people are like, wow, I would never want to do that because it's just, it seems really painful. But from the inside, I'm actually enjoying it. You know, enjoying it, uh, you know? I, don't, I don't think so much. I don't, I don't think, so think I'm enjoying much. this particular uh, pandemic so much. Uh, right. But I think uh, there's something to be said about enjoying the, uh, being down and then wanting to rise again, you know? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I like that. And yeah. like, I, I want to go back to the question you posed of, uh, should everyone become an entrepreneur at these times? Um, I, I still think it's like really up to you, but like these, these would be a great, great times to do it because 
at this current state of life, like everyone is everywhere being chaotic and nervous and anxious. And if you can be the guiding light in their lives, however you may be, uh, whether that's providing them consulting, coaching, uh, advice, insights, chats, like you can be that guiding light for that person. Uh, and it's like something like, like I used to think about in sales where like um, they, the customer knows what they really want. And it's up to you as the salesperson or as the service provider to kind of help them find that. And you help them find that either by showing them you, what you can do or guiding them in a certain direction that's going to take them towards that path, right? Uh, so I guess like it's really up to you, but these would be great times to say, for example, start your new website and like post it on LinkedIn or post it on Facebook or post it on Instagram because A, I would like to tell people like who cares? No one really cares anyway. Like whether you become successful or you don't become successful, no one really cares. If you care about being successful, then try it right now. And if you don't care about being becoming successful, then stay at home. And like, there's a lot of great content on Netflix that you can definitely consume within these times and you can definitely uh, take away from. <laughs> you definitely have a, a different mindset than, than a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people are like, no, get to work or make money or, you know, survive, whatever the case may be. But you're like, hey, if you want to watch Netflix and you're cool, and you're happy in that situation, then go ahead. Um, but if you want to work hard, then do that too. Uh, just do whatever you want. You, you kind of you you kind of subscribe to like the Gary Vaynerchuk philosophy of like do what makes you happy, pretty much. Uh, I guess I guess it's more of like the Mark Manson. Is it Mark Manson, the guy who wrote the Subtle Art? Uh, Have you read that one? Uh, I haven't read it. No. Okay. Yeah. So like, I, it's more about more for me like that. Like in the sense of like. Just I, for me, it's like, I give zero about anything that's not pertaining to my goals. And uh, if, if I do give more concern towards something pertaining to you, that means I really care about you a lot, whether you're my friend, family member, or someone who I, I'm helping on their journey as well. So other than that, like, I really don't care about anything else because I realize that life is too short to, to expend your energy on uh, wasteful things and like things that are not going to necessarily help you get to where you want to get to. And like, uh, I've seen a lot of things in my time of people uh, unnecessarily doing things to cause attention and like, and even beyond anything, it's like, what really matters? It's up to you. Yeah. What, 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 tell me about your company, Homevine. When did you start that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so like, this is like a venture I started about a year back. Um, I had an aunt who uh, recently like had uh, lost her husband due to sickness. And she became a, a single widow at the age of like 65. And I was looking around and I'm like, whoa, like, that's crazy. If you lose someone who you've lived with for your entire life, and now you're at the age of 65, you're a senior citizen, you're in your golden years of retirement, pretty much. Um, like, these are the times in your life when you should be enjoying your money, you should be chilling back and, and, and living happily. But if you don't have someone to spend that with, you're going to slowly go into a phase of depression and sadness. So out of that, I thought, is there a way to solve this problem using technology? So I did some research into, into what other people are doing to solve this problem. And there were two things. People were either A, living with their parents, where they would be a grandparent living in their, in their kid's home. And sometimes these kids would have their own kids. And that means that as a grandparent, you would sometimes be causing a burden. And B, they would be going into seniors' homes. And I looked at both these options. And I said, what? Wait, 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 wait. None of these things really make sense or none of these things are really the most optimal way 
to go about to go about living your life like who said you have to live under your kids terms and who said you have to live under for example a senior homes terms why can't you live life enjoyably with someone who has similar interests as you who can be your companion so that's when i looked into the concept of home sharing and uh, basically i created a platform to help seniors rent out rooms in their homes uh, to people who have similar interests as them and they can help make money every single month like kind of like an airbnb but these would be long-term companions and roommates i love it what, what about people that who need the caretakers that's a good question so like i started off with a specific niche of people who are like 55 to 65 the people who were just in the ages of retirement and looking for the places to go live and they're able to take care of themselves so once they like once i started talking to my customers i realized that hey like the number one thing for them is like, as they get older, who's going to really take care of them? Sure. The roommates can sign an agreement saying like, Hey, like we'll take care of each other. If someone gets sick, we can like fend for each other or whatever. But like after a certain point, when a senior gets to that certain age, caregiving is a really number a really important thing. So uh, I looked into providing like a second party, a uh, third party, like service providers who would come in every single day and like check in with people and like pay like an on an ongoing service fee to, to be a part as a member of this service company. And as I, as I looked into it, it became more of a logistical process where I was being the middleman for, for example, like nurse next door or like one of those care companies who come in and like take care of your parents when you're not home. So then I realized like this didn't really fall with my mission of being able to match people and help them find companionship. It became me becoming like a retirement agency and like me becoming a middleman for senior care referral service. So it, it was kind of all in all, that entire venture for me was an eye-opening process into um, starting a venture into a space that I have no idea about. And myself being 20 years old, I'm the last person who can really relate to the customer's pain point. But it was very interesting for me to see that perspective and to use tech to solve that problem. Dude, I love it. What, what uh, interests you about doing this? Um, for me, it was just generally like, being able to do some social good and to use tech to solve that. Uh, a lot of people just use tech to use tech to, for example, be like, Hey, like we're going to help your business make like $20,000 more profits per year, or, like save 10% on whatever you're currently doing. Like it's all these numbers, metrics, like pointless things that just help your business go further. And like at the end of the day, like what does it really do to improve the quality of human life? Like, I don't really know, which is what inspired me to do something like this. And like, it kind of opened my eyes to doing social good and like, I realized like, you know what, like Bill Gates, like why is he like quitting his chairman position at Microsoft to become like a full-time philanthropist? Cause like this guy's actually a genius who has like a 160 IQ um, who has made billions of dollars and his expertise is being used towards helping kids in Africa to build their own water system or healthcare system. And maybe that's actually a good idea because no one else is going to be smart enough to do it. And no one else is going to take the initiative to do it. So what I realize is that it's our world that we need to give back to because our grandkids, our future generations are going to be living here, not us. Right. So what we can, whatever power we have, we should use it to, for the good. Dude, that's, I love that. Um, but why do you think, have you ever thought about why all these CEOs are quitting or are, are resigning from their positions? Like, like something like a thousand CEOs resigned from their position. Mm -hmm. Does that freak you out? Does that sound like a conspiracy theory? Does that sound like um, something is occurring that we don't know about? 
Are you talking about like just because of this virus? Yeah, there's 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 been like a thousand CEOs of like major companies that have resigned in the like the last week or two or something like that. That's interesting. Uh, for one, uh, do you know if these CEOs are specifically in a certain industry or are you just saying like as an overall across the world type thing? Overall across the world, some of the biggest companies in the world, their CEOs are resigning and, and um, I don't know, they're not, they're not part of the company. And it's confusing. I can see it as two things. Yeah, I can see it as two things. Like one, it could be a personal play or two, it could be a business play. How do I see it as a personal play is that if you're the CEO of a company, you've been doing super well, you've been hitting all your targets and goals. And then all of a sudden something like this happens. This is kind of the beginning of a recession. Do you want to be the guy who's in charge of uh, bringing back your entire company from like doing super well to going to the shits? Like, do you want to be going through that entire process? Or if are you like people say like uh, when you're at a good stage in your life or when you're at a good stage with doing something like try to leave before people hate you as the villain try to leave as a good guy. So maybe that could be that personal play right there. Like, hey, like I made all my money on the CEO of the super big company. Like, maybe. My money on the CEO of the super big company. Like, company is now at a turmoil because of the current situation. Um, what's the best move? I mean, switching up management, switching up upper management to place personnel or company. It's still there, Frank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I, I, I am. I just broke up. You, you broke up a little bit on my end. Uh, but uh, okay, tell me where, tell me where it left off. Um, was it? Uh, you're like uh, why uh, CEOs leave their position is because maybe it's something they, they don't want to be the bad guy. And uh, yeah, exactly. So like, leave yeah, as, like so I'll just finish that off. Yeah. So like, they don't want to be the bad guy in the sense, like they've taken the company to a great position that where it is right now. And now in the next one or two years, it's going to be hard for regardless of what company you are to get back to where you were good standing before. So maybe leave while things are okay or leave while things are, at their highest point and then let someone else deal with that mess. That would be the A and the B would be from an organizational standpoint um, for a company. Maybe they are saying, okay, let's change the reins, get someone who has different exp experience or expertise for times like this, or let's just take an entire move of, of upper management and figure out to see if maybe we cut our leadership or if we make certain changes, if that can help us maneuver through these times. Or maybe the CEO has seen some things that we haven't seen. Like I mentioned, like they're sitting at a table where they, they get to make billion dollar, million dollar moves with government officials. And they probably know stuff that we don't know. That's Simple what I'm thinking. That. That's, that's, that's what I think some people are thinking is like, do they, do they know things that the general population does not know? You know? hundred percent. Yeah. So cool, man. Uh, well, Hey, thanks for having this podcast. You're super positive, And I think people need that. People need, um, to be uplifted and, and know that, that there's a lot of things that they can do and there's a lot of opportunities out there. So uh, if, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, if somebody wants to reach out, how would they do so? Yeah, thanks, Frank. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, I really enjoyed the podcast and like I let want to let people know I'm on a mission to retiring by 30 and getting my jet. If you think this mission resonates with you or even any parts of what I'm saying is resonating with you, Find me on LinkedIn at J J Apollon, J E Y space J Apollon. 
aka the king of LinkedIn, uh, shoot me a message. And I, you can also reach me on my website at jsquaredconsulting.com. Uh, I'd be happy to chat and see where uh, life takes us. And if you're on the thought, same thought waves or if you have similar ideas or similar mindset, I'd be uh, super excited to learn more about your story. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks, Frank. Take care. And I look forward to speaking with you soon, buddy. You too.